Hello, and welcome to PCB Chat, where we talk with experts across the printed circuit design, manufacturing, and electronic supply chain fields. I'm Mike Buto, president of PCEA. Reshoring has been a buzzword for a few years now, but when supply chains are undergoing dramatic disruption and inflation is raging worldwide, what is the reality? To help us address those questions and more, we are turning to Matthew Dyson, Senior Technology Analyst at ID TechX. Matt, welcome back to PCB Chat. Hi, th- thanks very much. Uh, thanks for the invitation uh, to come on the podcast. You just co-authored a white paper titled Factory of the Future. Lots of people, of course, are considering what exactly that looks like. What spurred your interest? Well, I think it's the combination of technologies uh, that you know we see being developed uh, but then this, this is a factory of the future is then a really compelling use case for them. And so it's about how can you make manufacturing more efficient uh, to address some of those concerns that you kind of highlighted earlier, reshoring, inflation and so on. Uh, and how can it be more efficient? Uh, it's about incorporating sensors, incorporating cobots, incorporating predictive maintenance. Um, and so it really it's one of these application areas that is both very useful to society and includes a lot of different uh, separate technologies, each of which are kind of interesting in their own right. So in the white paper, as you just noted, you boiled down the next wave of industrial manufacturing to a few key pivotal trends, sensors, additive manufacturing, automation and flexibility, which I think in your your, uh, research, you talked a lot, as you mentioned, about AGVs or mobile robots and cobots. How did you arrive at those? Well, I think, you know, at IDTechX, we kind of try and work out how technologies are going to evolve over the next five, 10 years. And so that involves talking talking to an awful lot of people and attending a lot of conferences uh, around the world. Obviously, not just me, but, you know, also my colleagues. And, you know, what we see is basically these, these trends uh, that we've mentioned in the white paper. And so there's lots of companies talking about how they can integrate more and more sensors uh, into their equipment not just for things like quality control, which is pretty standard by now, but also monitoring the machines themselves, which is somewhat less common. Uh, And so these can be all different types of sensors. They could be monitoring temperature or vibration, for example, uh, and then feeding that data back continuously so that you can identify, oh, this machine is vibrating a bit more than than expected. Maybe we need to have a look at that before the whole production line goes down and, and costs a lot of money. Uh, We've also seen lots of other examples of people aiming to integrate sensors into manufacturing processes, Um, even for things that seem kind of quite prosaic, like keeping track of the amount of parts in a parts bin. Uh, You know, this can be done digitally. There's a little companies bringing out a little pressure sensor in there uh, that then automatically orders more sensors when the level drops to a certain point. There's a company that makes gaskets that's incorporating an RFID tag in there so that you can check digitally whether it's been installed correctly and whether uh, it's being uh, subjected to the appropriate amount of pressure. And so these are all examples of not just monitoring the quality of the product that's produced, but monitoring the manufacturing process itself uh, in real time. And I think that's the key kind of step when you, when people, you hear people talking about kind of industry 4.0 and digi- the digital factory and mass digitization and all of these kinds of buzzwords, what it's about is about continuously monitoring as many processes as possible, not just the product, but the processes involved in producing the product, 
so that you can identify problems early, so that you can make small adjustments so that the quality of the product is maintained, so that your supply chain uh, can be as efficient as possible, so that you can check the installation has been done correctly or repairs have been done correctly without having to pay somebody to laboriously go around and check them manually. And all of these things will be communicating wirelessly uh, and you'll be able to build up these huge data sets that will then enable you to monitor if there are any other factors that could be influencing the output quality. And so it's that mass digitization that I think is, is the key trend here. So I want to talk a little bit more about those data sets and just how that information is going to be uh, you know, reviewed and analyzed and, and, and processed and put into action. But I'm going to take a moment to mention our sponsor, PCB West, the leading conference and exhibition for the printed circuit design and design engineering industry, coming October 4th to the 7th to the Santa Clara, California Convention Center. Learn more at PCBWest.com. So before the, the break, uh, you, know, you were mentioning about some of these, uh, the, the data sets and the amount of information that's going to be collected. Did your research try to get into any of the higher level systems that will need to be developed and implemented just in order to uh, store and process that information in a timely fashion, right? Because, I mean, we could be looking at billions and billions of data points, yeah. <laughs> you know, in a, in a, in a typical factory that need to then be processed very quickly in order to adapt in real time. So it's, so it's a really interesting point. So, so IDTKX primarily focuses on the hardware. So I'm coming at this more from the materials, sensors, antenna sort of side, but I have looked into the software uh, to some extent. And so you, this touches on the kind of idea of sort of edge AI. And so how can you how can you reduce the amount of data uh, that needs to be transmitted? And of course, one way to do that is to do some of the processing uh, you know, at, at the relevant location before it gets transmitted. Uh, and that can reduce power consumption because you then don't need to transmit as much data. Uh, and so that's certainly something that people do. I suggest that, I, that in some cases, you're not necessarily needing to take readings every tenth of a second or something. If, you're, if you've got a manufacturing line and you just want to monitor the uh, vibrational frequency or amplitude of some machine, you know, probably detecting that every few minutes is probably completely adequate because that it, it's going to, you know, the, the vibrations are gradually going to get worse if there's a problem with the machine, you know, over days. And so relative to, say, you know, man, many of the other aspect, uh, other applications where data, continuous data monitoring is needed, such as autonomous vehicles, I would say that in many cases, actually, your factory uh, is more straightforward. And, and in some cases, it can just be a, a check just after installation. So these gaskets that I was mentioning, um, which I heard about at a conference uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, someone will install them. I'll scan them with there'll be some sort of scanner that will check have they been seated correctly, which, of course, you can't tell once they've been installed. And so those kind of issues are, are, are relatively straightforward. I think some company, there's an interesting point in the sort of business models that people are adopting. So some of the manufacturers of kind of large scale equipment uh, are very keen to kind of offer a full solution with all the digital services in there. And they've got their own teams of software engineers you know, doing all of the data management. And then there's the sort of other approach, which is to kind of outsource all of that uh, and have just a, a completely separate provider that would maybe provide just the sensors and that would stick onto the machine. Uh, and then they'll manage the data for you and just give you um, a sort of dashboard on your, on your phone or on one computer with, a, with fewer of the kind of tangible insights. 
And so it really depends on the kind of company strategy kind of the, and the resources, the sort of software resources that they have available as to whether they want to in, bundle all of this sort of digital factory equip ideas into their products or whether they want to just work with somebody else and do it afterwards. You know, I think the data challenge is significantly easier than, say, autonomous vehicles. It's, there's not a requirement for, for more data to come out every tenth or hundredth of a second. Fair enough. So if I extrapolate then, the combination of sensors everywhere plus some degree of artificial intelligence perhaps would learn and anticipate how often sampling would even be needed. Yeah, Absolutely. You'd have identified when your sampling would be needed by kind of how quickly do these problems evolve, and you'd, yeah, you, you'd you'd also um, be you using your artificial intelligence, and it doesn't necessarily need to be that sophisticated. You know, to take the vibration example, you've got a threshold where you're happy if the vibrations are within that range, amplitude and frequency. As soon as it moves out of that frequency or or amplitude for a specified period of time, then some kind of alarm sounds, and a manager or maintenance person gets alerted. You know, these kind of algorithms are, are you know, not particularly different for those that you might get in an intensive care unit for patients where you know, they'll monitor your heart rate. And if it moves too much from a set of, set of parameters, it will issue some kind of alert. You know, those have been around for years, but obviously that's a higher value use case. But you're applying fairly similar ideas, but now um, you know, much more widely uh, across factories. I'm guessing you talked to a range of companies, OEMs, uh, you know, actual equipment manufacturer, I, sh- I should say product manufacturers and so forth mm-hmm. in the course of uh, preparing your white paper and perhaps across a, a variety of regions as well. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, ab- absolutely. And so we've, we've, we've spoken to companies that make them up the manufacturing equipment, you know, some of which are quite big, like, like say, Heidelberg, who make um, printing equipment uh, that are very much looking to kind of... Um, you know, offer full solutions. We've spoken to a lot of sensor providers. We've also spoken to research in, research institutes that have sort of set up pilot lines with all of this technology kind of um, built into them so that companies can see what's possible. And so, that, you know, those are happening everywhere. And, you know, often for sort of SMEs, they're not necessarily aware, some are, but maybe not all of them are aware of what is possible and what the technology can offer them. And so there, there's quite a lot of interest from governments to facilitate that kind of process by having these pilot lines and people can see, oh, well, mm-hmm. we've made all of this is automated or we've got all this predictive maintenance uh, happening here. Did you uncover any regional differences in, in what I would say is current, the current implementation? There's obviously a kind of um, trade-off with wages here. So broadly speaking, it's the more kind of developed economies where wages are higher, where probably unsurprisingly, where doing more of this kind of factory automation, uh, you know, makes commercial sense. Uh, if you, if you, and so that that's part of the sort of aim of of reshoring, uh, as I just discussed. In that, if you're going to move manufacturing back from lower wage economies, well, you've got to automate an awful lot of it to keep it cost effective. And so that's sort of one of the motivations. And so you see a lot of interest in kind of high wage economies like Germany and Scandinavia. Um, a lot of effort uh, going into it there. But I, th- I think the kind of reshoring trend uh, is, gen- is sort of happening in general. And I think that these kind of technologies, you know, at least ideally should be able to do that without, say, doubling the price of everything. 
you know, the wages are higher, but you need fewer people to run your line. It needs repairing less often. It needs maintenance less often. It needs checking less often because all of that's been done digitally. And of course, I teased the reshoring and I haven't really got into it yet, but the you know, cost, of course, is a big limiter. And, you know, that's one reason why people outsourced to different regions in the first yep. place, to lower cost regions, you know, was to take advantage of lower labor costs. At this point now, um, many of the, much of the supply chain has been built around uh, these, these uh, centers, almost um, these, you know, extraordinarily large campuses. And in some cases, they've turned into full-fledged cities on the pack rim that are essentially self-contained supply chains. Getting back, you know, we, we, you mentioned a little bit about the SMEs, which for folks, um, you know, I'll just explain the acronym. It's small or medium-sized enterprises. Does your research attempt to assess the CapEx for various sized operations? We, we haven't looked in, we certainly haven't looked yet at the kind of capital that's required. You know, there's so many different types of factories out there that's manufacturing so many different types of things. You know, we've primarily focused on the technology, the sort of hardware technologies that will sort of facilitate this transition. Um, but certainly, you know, to give a few examples, we've seen a Japanese PCB manufacturing company. They've got a novel method of making PCBs, uh, and they've got a lot of interest from Toyota, who are keen to bring some of their PCB manufacturing back to Japan. Just as an example, obviously, Toyota being a household name, and you know, as you kind of hinted at, there's all of these sort of supply chain security concerns, sort of geopolitical tension, all of that kind of thing. And, and, and you know, obviously that has a, there's a price that people want to pay. And then these technologies are a way of being able to meet those supply chain security requirements and, and sort of geopolitical considerations without having to pay loads more for everybody. How much does it cost to get all of this stuff installed to digitize an existing factory? It's a difficult question because obviously all the factories are different, but there are technologies that are being developed to make that relative, make that cheaper than you might imagine. So, for example, you don't need to buy completely new machines. Uh, there's some projects in um, German research centers, the Fraunhofer Institute, utilizing 3D printed electronics to make bespoke sensor housings uh, that can then be integrated into uh, fully depreciated, quite old equipment that still works well. So if you've got a bit of um, you know, heavy industrial equipment that is old but works fine and you want to digitize it, um, you, know, you can still add sensors to it without having to spend all the extra money on the entirely new piece of equipment. And a lot of these sensors you know, can be quite simple. And the thing people talk about are things like sort of sticker electronics, which aren't necessarily quite there yet. Uh, but there's kind of energy harvesting uh, tool um, approaches that people will use so that this stuff doesn't need to be wired in. You could just, you know, get a magnet, stick something on. It will harvest energy, energy from the vibrations. Use some edge AI, send the send the data back, and that whole that whole unit might be a few hundred dollars. So, it's not it doesn't it doesn't necessarily digital factory doesn't necessarily mean spend millions on new equipment. It can mean make some judicious investments, have some kind of subscription to some kind of software, and install a selection of relatively low cost sensors which may in some cases require sort of bespoke housing, you know, depending on the equipment or where you're attaching them. Uh, but it certainly shouldn't mean, okay, we need to sort of fully refit the factory here. Um, what I'm hearing is that just like there are a wide variety of factory layouts and processes and focuses today, uh, that won't change with Industry 4.0. The right. implementation of sensors and cobots and 
you know, some of these other things that you've mentioned, uh, they would they will be implemented in a, in a specific and an individual way. Uh, you, you, we won't see just a, a generic factory uh, yeah. where everyone has sort of the same kind of line and and right. and you know information collection and and so forth. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, I think it's just just gradually, you know, just just like your sort of life at home, you'll just more and more things will kind of gradually become digital. And, and just so, you know, five years ago, I didn't have a smartwatch. Now I do. And and, and so these things kind of gradually progress. And, and But there's, there's no need to kind of, you know, go for a kind of wholesale readjustment here. You could identify, okay, I have this machine. I don't really know why it keeps going wrong. Maybe I can get some advanced warning if I installed some sensors here. And and probably without knowing it, you, 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 you suddenly sort of become part of Industry 4.0 because you've now got some continuous monitoring, enabling predictive maintenance on this particular machine so it, it's not a sort of oh i you know i've got to start with a blank piece of paper and a huge check and a thick checkbook it's okay i'm going to make these kind of incremental improvements to take advantage of new low-cost sensing technology improvements in um, energy harvesting wireless transmission and particularly you know the relatively low cost of cloud services and data processing to try and to try and solve kind of particular problems within my factory, oh, I keep running out of this equipment because its use isn't linear and I don't know when to order it. Okay, great. Can we put a sensor in here to track when it to track um, when that's about to run out and order it automatically? This equipment keeps breaking down. Okay, and I don't really know why. Okay, can I check that? My maintenance people keep making mistakes installing this stuff. Can I put something in to check? And then there's also an intro on just on the maintenance side here. Uh, there's also an interesting kind of placebo effect here that if you start adding uh, the ability to monitor how effectively maintenance has been performed, you apparently see the maintenance being performed better, even if you don't go and check afterwards. So if you make, to go back to this gasket example, if you made the, if you make the gaskets uh, able to record whether they were installed correctly, then a much higher proportion will be installed correctly because people now know that they're being monitored. And so you end up with these kind of sort of perhaps unexpected benefits that by by better monitoring uh, how various tasks are performed, um, perhaps unsurprisingly, uh, people on average will perform them better, and you can still identify the odd mistake. So that's fascinating. Is that something that you observed yourself, or is that something that, uh, in the course of your um, research and interviews, it was brought to your attention? This is something I've been told by or seen in presentations from multiple people. Uh, and so, you know, different unconnected companies. One of the more interesting ones, which isn't quite a factory, was um, you can install moisture sensor. Swedish companies develop a uh, device to monitor moisture levels behind tiling uh, in showers. Uh, and you just scan it with an RFID scanner. It's just a little coil and the frequency changes with the amount of humidity. And then they, so then they discovered it. They discovered that all of their showers were being installed much better once people started putting this stuff in and they were getting far <laughs> fewer, the, 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 um, whoever, you know, the building company or whoever was getting far fewer kind of callbacks going, oh, you know, six months later, my shower's leaking. Once they obliged their staff uh, to, in to install this device. And of course, the device doesn't actually need to work. It could just be a piece of plastic. But if you tell everybody, oh, well, this will enable us to monitor whether your bathroom leaks, you basically find that actually people will kind of Im Im improve the quality of their work on average. Uh, so there, there are kind of other benefits which you wouldn't necessarily anticipate. And I think, you, you know, the, you can certainly get those kind of in a, in a 
production sort of factory setting as well that it is more things are monitored and maintenance tasks are easier to check um you know just like you would get with quality control on the product itself which is you know already well established you can now get quality control on all of these kind of repair tasks as well never forget big brother is watching <laughs> well yeah that's pretty that, that is the downside but uh, <laughs> there we go yeah. uh, so we, we talked a little bit about ai what role do you think AI will play? And do you think it will vary by region, perhaps in part due to governmental constraints on what algorithms are actually going to be permitted to do? I mean, that seems to be up in the air at present. Yeah. So I mean, so first of all, I'm, I'm not an AI expert. Um, I think you can get quite a long way by doing actually relatively simple data processing uh, of the kinds that I described, you know, checking that parameters are within thresholds and things like this. When it comes to doing sort of more sophisticated things, you're looking at kind of object recognition, that kind of stuff. And I don't think that there will be, because you're monitoring an industrial process with kind of employees who are all kind of consenting to be there, um, I think you're going to get a lot fewer issues than you do with things in a kind of more of a consumer context. You know, it's not quite the same as monitoring people's movement around a supermarket or something. You know, everyone there is an employee. You're basically you're not necessarily monitoring them. You're monitoring the equipment. Um, you know how that evolves and how automation kind of works its way through um, the workforce is a is a much bigger topic than than just talking about factories for the future and, and how that kind of progresses politically is 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 kind of an open ended question. I think in most cases your, your option, you know, this is this is technology that will facilitate the reshoring because it will enable you to manufacture more efficiently. And so given that there's a kind of political tailwind kind of pretty much across the West and, and um, Japan as well, maybe Korea, uh, to, to kind of bring man, high value advanced manufacturing back home, you know, there's statements, as I wrote in the white paper, statements from Biden, from an EU commissioner, that they want more, more advanced manufacturing. These are the kind of technologies that can facilitate that. And so if you're a sort of labor union, I wouldn't necessarily see it as, oh, this is a threat to our workers' jobs. I'd say see it as this is an opportunity to have maybe more jobs or certainly have more manufacturing. And hence, you know, people can do higher value tasks and we can get more of the manufacturing that's currently been taking place elsewhere can take can take place close to home. We can you know, get environmental benefits of you know, less logistics and those kind of things. So I think. Yeah, I think there are. I think the pros kind of outweigh the cons. Um, I think that you, your data protection sort of issues are, are less significant. They're insignificant, but I say they're less significant than in a consumer setting. Um, but I, and I think it will just sort of happen gradually. There won't be a kind of big bang, and all of a sudden this this sort of happens. You'll just get gradually the equipment will will become cheaper, will become more established. People become more comfortable um, with with the kind of data processing and the data dashboards and how they could use this to actually improve, improve the output or have less downtime. Um, and it will just sort of gradually make, gradually make its way in so that it becomes kind of the norm, you know, just like mechanization did, you know, a hundred years ago or, or the production line did a hundred years ago. Um, and it would, it would just kind of become standard. And clearly there's opportunity to do kind of increasingly sophisticated machine learning and, and, you know, work with much larger data sets for stuff like object recognition. But there's a lot of benefits to be gained just by, you know, monitoring the temperature where temperature wasn't monitored before. I mean, it's very simple, but actually that could have some, there's not really any AI there, but it can be quite, 
quite tangible, offer some quite tangible benefits. Back in 2020, I interviewed the general manager of U- Universal Scientific um, and did sort of a virtual walkthrough uh, their facility. It was actually during COVID, but they had uh, over the previous year or 18 months, they had converted a heavily uh, manual operation to an almost completely touchless operation with AGVs moving product from floor to floor, bringing material to the lines, eight SMT placement lines, all side by side by side by side, you know, in a a single line configuration, Uh, no conveyors at all between those machines. They, of course, were building, you know, millions of of parts. Uh, This is a top 10 EMS company in the world. They have uh, very deep pockets. Uh, you know, you you were just a moment ago talking a bit about the implementation and what it would look like, you know, from the uh, from the SME's uh, vantage point. What it sounds like to me is this will be one of those things where we don't realize just how widely the factory of the future has been implemented in real time. It would be more that we look back and get a sort of a retrospective glance and say, oh, okay, you know, the turning point was here, but we won't really know it when it happens. It'll be more after the fact. Yeah, absolutely. And I absolutely agree that there's plenty of kind of highly automated manufacturing lines already, kind of, of course. It's more the sort of idea that can we take sort of existing older equipment and then, you know, make it digital, make it smart, can we can we digitize things that probably even in the factory that you described maybe aren't digital? You know, I, I've had discussions with people who are looking at trying to make kind of various types of sealants on pipes and things, leak sensing. And and at the moment that's not really happening. And and so, you know, it's those kind of pretty arguably quite mundane things. You know, it's not necessarily the fanciest equipment, but can I ensure that this, you know, I get early warning of any leaks in all the pipes in this factory? That's kind of the that's some of the ideas that we're that we're looking at here, and people are busy developing new new technologies and new materials that you know will will, will enable that kind of relatively cost relatively cost effectively. But there's there's also the kind of aspects that, that you might guess that my, my colleague primarily wrote the cobot section, where you know that that's kind of a slightly bigger scale where we'll end up with more and more kind of you know automation. That it's maybe what people think about when they think about a digital factory. They picture something with a lot of robots, with cobots, maybe um, you know an Amazon factory with automated stock pickers and all of this kind of thing. And I think you know I think all of that that's running in parallel to the kind of things that and yeah to an extent it's already started uh, to the kind of things uh, that I've described, which are a, a sort of smaller scale. But you know it's also what I've been describing would also be kind of monitoring the health of the cobot is everything going well there are there any bits that are wearing out too early are there any are there any screws that haven't been threaded correctly and all of this kind of thing it's about monitoring as much as you can to identify to either stop problems happening in the first place or identify any problems before they become serious. the paper from id TechX is called factory of the future and matt where can people get a copy of this uh, so you should be able to download it uh, from, from our website. Uh, and on there, we also have a list of all of the uh, market research reports, including ones on sensors and 3D electronics and K-bots, collaborative robots, and of course, many, many other topics as well. Great. Our sponsor today has been PCB West, the leading conference and exhibition for printed circuit and design engineering, coming October 4th to the 7th to the Santa Clara, California Convention Center. Learn more at pcbwest.com.
And I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Matthew Dyson of ID TechX. For PCB Chat, this is Mike Puto. Have a nice day. Hmm.